Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. As we mentioned earlier this morning, it's going to be an open line show. Dr. David Hillen, of course, your host, is in studio. Good morning. Good morning, Denny. A nice morning today. It's it's just beautiful out today. And, and I started it off by sneezing about 32 times. Allergies again? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's allergies. Yeah. You know, I'm outside, stuff floating in the air. And I've got a good allergist, but I'm very bad patient. I don't take my medications. Oh, you don't do I'm, what he says. I'm delayed on my shot. You know, I'm getting allergy shots by yeah. my colleague, John Sweet. And so I've been getting my shots. They're really working, but I'm a few weeks overdue for the next one. And if he is, by listening to this right now, he's rolling his eyes because I failed to show up for my shot. So I'm sneezing a little bit. Even doctors don't necessarily follow what Oh, we're the worst. <laughs> we might be worse than, the, <laughs> than everybody else. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's going to be an open line show today, but I know we're going to be joined by uh, a, a urologist uh, because there's some uh, special feature ca- coming up here. We are. Thanks, Danny. We're, um, uh, one of my colleagues who has been on the show before is a urologist. His name is Travis Pagliara. He is a urologist, and he's going to call in, to, and I'm just going to chat with him for a minute about an event that's coming up on June 20th, and this one's for you, men. Um, uh, Dr. Pagliara is going to do a, a, a men's health seminar um, as part of our Here for Health series, this event is coming up about 10 days from now on Thursday, June 20th at 6 to 7, just an hour long um, in the very early evening. And it's a free event where he is going to be talking about signs and symptoms and latest treatment options for a couple of issues mainly, men's bladder problems, that's your urine, your prostate, things like that, and sexual health for men. And so... Um, I encourage you to, first of all, listen to when he calls in, but second of all, to mark your calendars for Thursday, June 20th. The event is free, um, so there's that. Um, and what a great way for men to get some uh, really important health information from uh, from an expert. So he'll be calling in. We'll chat with him about that a little bit. All right. But again, it's an open line show. If you have any type of a question, uh, maybe for you or someone you care about, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Uh, the text number, meanwhile, is 81807. And keep in mind, when we do these open line shows, we tend to get really busy, both in phone calls and text messages. So don't wait. Uh, call us now. There are lines. We've cleared the lines. 651-989-9226 for your general health question. Or uh, send the doctor your text, 81807. Now, we did get a text earlier this morning. Uh, and I guess to, it's the season. Somebody wanted to know about Lyme disease. They think they got a tick bite. And uh, what should he or she do about it? That's a great question, um, Denny. And, and uh, um, a lot of people are wondering about tick bites this time of year. And you know what? It's the real deal, Lyme disease. Uh, it, it, we're kind of in, a, in one of the two hot spots of the country for Lyme disease. And it's Lyme, not Lyme's. There's no S. Lyme is a town in Connecticut, and that's where it was discovered. So it was named after the town of Connecticut. That's sort of one major hotspot. The second major hotspot is us, um, the upper Midwest, particularly 
northern Minnesota and northern Wisconsin, although it can be anywhere. It can be mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. But from like the Twin Cities north, take the St. Croix River up north. It's Lyme disease country there. And all the way up to the Iron Range, that area, all the way into northern Wisconsin, most of Wisconsin, to be honest. And it's the ticks are little bitty things, but they're out now. Now's the time. Um, they're little. Think sesame seed. That's about how big they are. They're just little dinky things. It's called the black-legged tick that causes them. We used to call it the deer tick. Um, we don't usually say deer tick anymore because it sort of gave deer a bad name because they're on any mammals. They're on mice. They're on foxes and raccoons and, yes, indeed, deer. And so these little guys carry the Burgdorfia. Wait, let me see if I get this right. The bacteria is called Borrelia burgdorfii, named after some guy named Burgdorf, I guess. And that little, little, it's shaped like a corkscrew. This little bacteria that is shaped like a corkscrew lives inside these ticks. They get on the deer. They feed on the deer. They get back in the ticks, and the ticks jump onto you. The bite, if you notice it, and most people don't notice it, but if you notice the bite, it's usually on your legs, not always, because these things are in small mammals, and the, the ticks are in in grasslands. They jump off the grass and the brush. They don't fall from the sky. So the, the, the bites are usually on your legs. If you get a rash from Lyme disease, that rash looks like a bullseye usually. Not always. Is it, is it big? Yeah, it can be small. It can be the size of a dime or it can, be, it can grow into a much bigger thing. So many people don't ever notice the rash. In fact, most people don't. If you were in one of those areas, like Minnesota or Wisconsin, and you had a tick on you, one of those little guys, and you had that rash, we usually recommend you get treatment with an antibiotic because you're not guaranteed to get Lyme disease from that, but you are much more likely. The treatment's pretty easy. The, the bacteria is sensitive to the antibiotics we have. We have many options. The most common is doxycycline. The second most common is azithromycin. There's some others as well, ceftriaxone, but that's an intravenous one. So there's plenty of options. So that's Lyme disease. If you don't get it treated, it can stay in you a while, and it can, it can lead to neurologic problems, and it can lead to heart problems and bone joint achy problems and neurologic problems. So Lyme disease can lead to a lot of stuff. I'm not sure about this, but I think it's the most common tick-borne illness. Because there are others, aren't there? There are a whole bunch of them. Yeah. In fact, that same tick carries about two or three other bacteria, different ones. That little tick's a kind of a nasty little guy. I guess. And they, they really do survive Minnesota winters in nymph form, and then they, then they start crawling around on you. So that's a real deal. The one thing that's not a real deal is once you've been treated for Lyme disease, some people uh, wonder if you're still infected for years to come, and you are not. The ba- there's no evidence that the bacteria stays in you. What does happen for people, though, is some people, even if you were treated, get this post-Lyme disease syndrome, and so you can get a pain and fatigue syndrome that seems to last for months or longer. So it's a complicated thing. That's a real thing that people do get. So that's Lyme disease in a nutshell, right. and it's tis the season. It is the best, indeed. The best treatment for it is, is not to get it. So we do recommend um, some way to keep bugs off you, long, light-colored pants, we say light-colored. I never really understood why. Why should your pants be Probably light? Probably because you can see them. Because you can see them. Yeah. I always thought it was something that they didn't know. It's just because <laughs> then you can see them. Long pants, How socks. About spray? Like spray a, does work. Some yeah. people are concerned about the um, what's in bug sprays, yeah. but they do work. Uh, 
But whatever you can do to keep the ticks off you, that's a good idea. Okay. And pull them off. If they're crawling on you, it's not a big deal. They have to be sitting on you and biting you. At the time. Okay. At the time, yeah. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. I see a line open. We're getting text messages as well. Eight one eight zero seven. Let's go to the phones. Uh, I think Jack is uh, calling in from Egan. Jack, you're on with the doctor. Hello, Jack. Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. I have a question for you. My son passed away about a month ago uh, from an MI. My father died at fifty-seven from an MI. And yesterday, I was talking with a friend of mine who's had a best friend who died at 49 of an MI. All three died before they literally hit the floor. Um, in each case, and especially in a, it came to light when I opened up my son's golf bag and out rolled a bottle of Rolaids. And then I walked into his kitchen about two hours later. There's another bottle of Rolaids, and I was talking with his wife about all the Rolaids that he had. And my other son, who said he always wanted Rolaids when he was at the house, my father had Rolaids everywhere. Uh, when I talked to this guy yesterday, his buddy had Rolaids everywhere. Is this a cover for a, a, a thought for angina, uh, or or the the acid reflux is being caused maybe from from heart issues? Yeah, um, Jack, that might be the most important call we'll take all day. And so thank you for your call. I, I'm so sorry about your son, your dad, and your friend. Uh, um, so I, my condolences. I, I, I'm really sorry for you. And um, your question is so important because early heart disease, this is early heart disease when it's in men in their 50s or younger, um, is not as uncommon as we might think. And sometimes the symptoms are hard to distinguish. And so I don't know the, in either of these three men's cases, but it is certainly a possibility that what they were experiencing that whole time was pain from their heart and interpreted it as um, you know indigestion and took a, a Rolaids for it, took an antacid. I don't know. Maybe they had reflux disease as well and had acid problems. But I think that it is telling um, that that you know your son had a Rolaids on him and was really into taking those. It is at least possible that what he was experiencing was his heart. Now angina or angina is is pain. It's the Latin word for um, believe it or not squeezing. I think or squeezing or choking. That's the word for angina because it's a generally a squeezing tight sensation. It's often not particularly sharp. It's more like a squeezing or a, or a pressure. And that can feel almost identical to the symptoms of acid reflux. And so um, I think those two are, are highly correlated. Now, does one cause the other? No. Um, acid reflux is an entirely different problem that is not caused by heart disease, nor does heart disease in general lead to acid reflux. They are different problems. They just have very similar symptoms. So what I would suggest to all people, men and women, men of any age, women particularly as you're getting into your 50s and older, if you are having symptoms in your chest or your upper belly even, that is a pressure that you're, that you're not sure about, kind of comes and goes, might be a little squirrely, might be a little more um, severe. If you're having to take antacids for that repeatedly, I would suggest you have that evaluated sooner rather than later. Maybe not, you know, maybe not an emergency, but it might be because, as Jack has said, um, one of them could be very sudden without you having the ability to act to it, and you might not survive that. So, um, chest pain, have it evaluated. 
Um, even if you think it's due to what you ate and it's a little indigestion, if it's not, if you're having to take frequent antacids, I think it's a great idea to have that evaluated. Coronary disease is treatable. It's one of the things we're actually really good at treating, but we have to know about it. Um, and, and death from heart disease remains the number one cause of death for a relatively treatable thing. And so uh, that's why time is so important, and that's why getting an evaluation is so important. Jack, that's an important call. That's the public service message for today. If you're having chest pain, men and women, but particularly men, even if you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, if you're having chest pain, please have that evaluated. All right. I'll tell you what, let's thank you, Jack. Uh, let's go to Mark before we take a break. Uh, Mark is calling in from Oconia. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Um, I just got a quick question. I'll hang, I'll hang up and listen. I'm a 65-year-old male, and uh, like yourself, uh, only when I was a lot younger, I used to take uh, allergy shots. Most of those allergies kind of uh, disappeared, hay fever, things like that, uh, pollens, but as I've gotten from about 55 to 65, as in the morning when I wake up, um, I have a lot of phlegm down in my lungs, and I have a, a kind of a chronic coughing for about an hour to clear my lungs. And the unusual thing, it happens also when I eat ice cream, of all things. I can't understand why, but it triggers the cough. And uh, it's progressively kind of getting worse, and my wife's concerned because my cough is... Uh, severe and it seems to hang on for a while and i'm wondering if this is allergy related or what you'd recommend mark, I'll hang up and listen. thank you mark um that um that also is a common problem um especially in the morning um having kind of a, a collection of gook in the back of your throat in the morning is extremely common um that and it leads to cough as your lungs and your body is trying to expel it the reason why it's in the morning more, it can be all day long, but the reason why it's worse in the morning is that is basically gravity. You're just lying there, and it's dripping into your throat, and it's just pooling there. And you're and during the day, we're swallowing our saliva and secretions all day long. We're either coughing them up, sneezing them up, or we're swallowing them. And and that's that's okay. That's what we're supposed to do. But at nighttime, you're not doing that. It's just pooling there. So that's why it's worse in the morning. So why do you have it? The three most common causes of a cough um, are, number one, post-nasal drip. So it's some type of drippage from your back of your nose, your throat, your sinuses, in the post, you know, in the back of. And that can be due to allergies, probably the most common. It can be due to chronic sinusitis. It can be due to a cold. You know, everybody coughs and sneezes and has crud in their throat when you have a cold. So it can be due to a virus, allergies, chronic sinusitis, things like that. And that's number one. Number two is asthma. People with asthma often wake up coughing, and they'll be coughing all day long. So untreated asthma. Um, number three is acid reflux, which we talked about in the previous callers. You're, um, for a little more unclear reasons, but it leads to irritation of your esophagus down lower and that can work its way up, and that your body just reacts to that and coughs. And so all three of those are the most common. You'll note that none of those was pneumonia. None of those was emphysema. It wasn't lung cancer. The three most common causes of a morning crud like that are asthma, reflux, and postnasal drip. So I would look into those. Um, sometimes an inhaler helps um, if you have uh, uh, asthmatic problems, or even if you just have allergic problems. Sometimes nasal drops will help. Your allergist would tell you that. Um, Anti-inflammatory nasal sprays 
their prescription only. Sometimes antihistamines and other medications for allergies can help. Sometimes simply removing the allergen. So let's say you're allergic to dust or dogs. Get them out of the bedroom. Vacuum the drapes. Get rid of the carpet. Dust a little more often than I do, um, which is like (laughs) never. (laughs) Make your house very clean. That's something to consider as well. And then if it's none of those three things, then look into more more serious things. But the more serious things, cancers and all that kind of stuff, emphysemas, they're far, far less likely. All right. Need to take a quick break here. We uh, have more show to come. 651-989-9226 if you want to call in your health question. Text number is 81807. We expect some shower activity in the Twin Cities today uh, and a little breezy day today. 74 will be the high right now, 69. Good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. If you have a general health question for Dr. Hilden, 651-989-9226. Again, 651-989-WCCO or send the, the doctor your text. 81807. Doctor? Thanks, Denny. I want to do two small follow-ups to both of the first two questions of the day because one, uh, Mark, the last caller, also talked about um, his symptoms seemed to be worse when he was eating ice cream. And I wonder if you have some allergies to lactose or the milk in there. Also, just kind of milk and ice cream tend to make people's um, phlegm and secretions worse. So I hate to tell you, but you might have to cut that out. Might have yeah. Dairy. Cut out ice cream. That's a crisis right there. Um, <laughs> and then a texter called in, and I appreciate this one. This is from CJ in Champlin, who says, will you back up and tell us what MI stands for with a heart acid reflux question? Yeah, the first caller today, um, Jack, was talking about uh, heart disease. So MI stands for myocardial infarction. And he was calling in and asking, is there any kind of relationship between acid reflux and heart disease? And family members of his were having heart attacks, and he noticed a common theme in that they used a lot of Rolaids for um, for antacids. So yes, um, myocardial infarction is the medical term for heart attack. Infarction is death, you know, death of tissue. Myocardial is the muscle cells of your heart. So that's the medical term for heart attack. Uh, so again, to repeat that one, if you're having chest pain, even if you're a younger man, or certainly if you're a younger man and your dad or your son or your friend or your not your friend but your brother any relative that was having early heart disease i would encourage you to have that looked at and don't just repeatedly take antacids um they can they can mimic each other you know before we go uh, to grab some more text messages should we uh, grab a phone call let's do that let's go david is calling in from uh, minneapolis david you're on with the doctor oh thank you um same i heard on television yesterday about the blood pressure pill Losartan causing uh, colorectal cancer and I've been taking Losartan for many years and I had uh, rectal cancer two and a half years ago have you ever heard of those two um, causing that problem? Hi David, I have not heard that um, okay. uh, Losartan has been in the news a little bit lately because there was a manufacturing glitch and a lot of patients got a recall notice that don't take this med. It was due to some contaminant in a manufacturing process, and it had nothing to do with Losartan itself. It's a highly effective and well-established medicine for heart disease, heart failure, and, and high blood pressure. I have not heard of any of that connection, as you are mentioning, because your question was, is it about your rectal cancer? I have not heard that. Um, I would, um, as always, my not hearing of something doesn't mean it's not possible. There could have been some new thing that I'm not aware of. I would say, though, that um, anything that would have been in the news yet, 
and I'm not aware of it, but anything that would have been in the news yet would be very um, speculative. There is certainly no well-established link. I can tell you that for sure. There's no well-established link between that. And uh, I would continue to take it for sure because the risks of your high blood pressure, the, what your low sartan is being used for is so like orders of magnitude bigger problem than some future risk of um, rectal cancer. Now, you did have rectal cancer, so I think just ask your, ask your doctor who's prescribing it, see if they know anything about that. It's a really good question. You are extremely smart to be calling and asking about that, but I'm not aware of any connection, David. All right, should we grab some text messages before we... I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Here's one. It says, do you have a good explanation? Well, I don't know if I ever have a good explanation. <laughs> I, I may have a, an explanation. No, I'm kidding. It says... Do you have a good explanation for why blood vessels bulge and break in your fingers and toes when there's no trauma to the area? Uh, no, I don't have a good explanation. But what happens is that your blood vessels are very small, little, little teeny things right under your skin. And as we age, your skin atrophies, your blood vessels become weaker, just like the hoses in your car engine, you know, kind of wear out over time. So do your blood vessels. And the ones in your fingers and toes are, just by their nature of where they are, very small. These are little bitty blood vessels. Some of them are as big as dental floss, you know, and some of them are a little bigger. But it's not like you have garden hoses in your hands and your feet. They're just little things. And it could well be that you are simply having atrophy or degeneration of the skin and the blood vessels in there due to aging, and it doesn't cause a problem. Now, there are conditions. There are vascular conditions where blood vessels are rupturing and leaking that they shouldn't be. Uh, there's vasculitis problems. There are platelet problems that can have a little bit of bleeding. There's Raynaud's syndrome. So, you know, you might want to see a primary doctor or perhaps a rheumatologist if it's really unsightly or happening a lot. But if it's just a minor thing, it might not be something you have to check out. We have a little less than a minute to go before the break, another half hour of the show to go. But before we do head into that break. So June 20th, uh, we weren't able to talk to Dr. Pagliari this morning, um, but June 20th from 6 to 7 p.m. is a men's health free seminar at the Clinic and Specialty Center in downtown Minneapolis. This thing's free, but we want you to RSVP. So go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health to register or simply call 612-873-4960. 612 I will repeat that number later. The easiest thing to remember is Hennepin Healthcare slash Here for Health, Men's Health, Erectile Dysfunction, Sexual Health, and Bladder Problems, Thursday, June 20th. Very good. Stay with us. We have another, again, half hour of the show to go here on 830-WCCO. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospitals, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. What does that mean to our new listeners? It means you can call in and ask your general health question. We're not talking about any particular topic. And you can call in or text in your question. 651-989-9226. 
or text 81807. Good morning, Dr. Hilden. And we have a lot of text messages. Indeed we do. Good morning, Danny. You having a good summer so far? Yeah, it is good. Yeah. It is good. I, I think there are going to be a lot of grad parties today that may or may not be rained on. But uh, I hope I, you know, get one of those. I hope you've rented one of those tent. tents or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, happy summer to everybody. It's a beautiful summer up here in God's country, otherwise known as the uh, Minneapolis. I know people are listening all over the world. They are. So, and St. Paul. And St. Paul, the Twin Cities, Minnesota. It's, it's a great place to be this time of year. I sat out on my deck last night with my wife and my folks, and you know what? There wasn't a single mosquito. There but, wasn't one? But I'll bet some people are starting to see them. But oh, yeah. May and early June before the mosquitoes hit, are, there's, it's, it couldn't be any better, but I know they're starting to come out now. And gnats. Oh, the gnats are out. Yes. They're they're. They're they're a big time. I ran through a cloud of them at Lake Harriet. You know, you could just you can see the gnats about fifty feet ahead. There's this cloud in the air, and then you run through them, and I'm chewing. On One of our co- colleagues here at the CCO was, uh, I think, up north and came back with huge bites from the gnats or from, from the gnats. Geez. Yeah, yeah, and Vicious. and as we talked in the first part of the show, it is kind of tick season too. So now's yeah. the time if you get bit by ticks. There's all kinds of nasty little critters out there. So. But beyond that, it's a beautiful summer. Hey, a couple of housekeeping things before I get to the numerous uh, uh, listener texts and some phone calls. I have been talking about an event coming up on June 20th. Go get your pen, men, if you're interested in a free event to learn about all the health of all the stuff you don't talk about in polite company. Well, I don't know if we're polite company, but on Thursday, June 20th at 6 p.m. for one hour, we're doing a free men's health seminar with my colleague, Dr. Travis Pagliara. He is a urologist, and he specializes in things for you, man. He specializes in prostate and bladder issues and sexual health. Um, that's, you know, erectile issues, stuff that you don't want to talk about, you know, around the dinner table with your wife. Well, how about going and hearing about it um, from an expert? Um, Dr. Pagliari is a great speaker. He's a nice guy. He's a urologist, and the event is free. So, again, I'm killing time here while you're going to get your pen. But now that you have your pen, it's Thursday, June 20th from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Clinic and Specialty Center, which is at 8th and Park. The actual address is 715 South 8th Street in downtown Minneapolis. It's directly across the street from the Hennepin Emergency Department, and there is underground parking. So you don't ever have to go outside. You just park underground and take the elevator right up. Um, we'd like you to RSVP so we, we have an idea of how many to expect. These events have been quite popular in the past. This is part of our um, community health series uh, called Here for Health. And uh, in case you didn't know, Hennepin's tagline, our kind of our motto, what we kind of live and die by is called, well, not die by. That's the wrong <laughs> thing to say. Don't say <laughs> that. that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> Sorry, public relations people. Our tagline is we're here for life. And so what we mean about that is that um, we're here for all aspects of your life, not just when you're having trauma, not just when you're having emergencies, but when you're having problems with your bladder and your prostate. We're here for all aspects of your life. So. One more time, it's hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. And instead of the word for, put the number four. Hennepin Healthcare, all one word, hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. Uh, it's free, but please do register. If you want to use a phone number instead, it's 612-873-4960. 612-873-4960 for the men's health seminar on Thursday, June 20th. All right. All right. Enough about that. Shall I go to the text yeah, line? Yeah, let's that do be that. Good? All right. Some of these came in much earlier in the show, so I'll try to get to some of the older ones. 
Here's one that says, would you please explain what causes vertigo? I had it for the first time a month ago, and it was scary. That's from Mary. Thank you for your text, Mary. Yeah, vertigo can be caused by a number of different causes. It is the sensation of the, 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 your environment is spinning or moving a little bit. Vertigo is not really just lightheadedness or dizziness, which you can you know, have if you're out exercising on a hot day. It's generally the, the world around you seems to be moving or spinning, um, and it, it, is, um, it can cause nausea. It can cause imbalance. You can fall down from it. It can cause um, you can throw up and you know, vomit from it. The most common cause is what's called BPPV, which is, stands for benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. The benign stands for it's not cancer. It's, um, positional or paroxysmal means it happens really suddenly. Positional means it's when your body position moves, and vertigo is the symptom of, dizzy, of spinning. It's usually caused by an inner ear problem. It can come and go many, many, many times a day, but it's always due to your body position. So if you're sitting still, you're not moving, or you're not twitching at all, then it goes away. And then you move your head to the left or right or up or down or you stand up, you move your body position and it happens. Um, so that's that benign condition. It's usually self-limited, meaning you don't have to do anything except suffer through it. But it can happen many times a day for days in a row, days and days and days in a row, sometimes weeks. And then for some reason it just gets better. Generally it's considered to be the problems in your inner ear and your body just takes care of it and you don't need any medications for it. There are more severe causes of vertigo that can be um, neurologic problems, nerve sheath tumors, things like that. So if your symptoms don't go away or if you're blacking out from them, then it's usually worthwhile to uh, have that evaluated. You can start with your primary doctor, but you might want to see a neurologist for that as well. Um, so that's the, the short, well, the medium short answer about vertigo. It's very common. All right, let's uh, have a quick call from uh, Catherine and Blaine. Uh, good morning. What is your question for the doctor? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Yes, my uh, 40-year-old son uh, had my cuspid aorta. And he had to have surgery for it. Um, could you please explain that? Uh, because I think that it's something that was not discovered uh, until until he was that age. I mean, that's something that he was born with. I understand. Yeah. How old was he when it was discovered, Kathleen? Yeah, he, uh, he was uh, forty. And how did he they was, find it? It was so funny. He was at the dentist, um, and the dentist said. You have um, you have a heart murmur, and anyway, so he went in, he had it checked, and sure enough, it was bicuspid aorta, and he had to have surgery that fall. Yeah, good for the dentist. Good for the dentist. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Yes, he was born with it. So your aortic valve is one of the four valves in your body that opens and closes with every heartbeat. And it is the one that is at the top of your heart, which ironically in medicine we call the base of your heart. It's the one that opens up. It's the big one that opens up when your heart does its big squeeze. And when it opens, it allows blood to go to the brain, your whole body, your whole body except the lungs. Your, it goes to your brain, your liver, your kidneys, and your whole body. So it's, it, it is a forceful opening of this valve. And then after the heartbeat, it closes so that the the cuz your your circulation is a one-way system in your heart so it closes so the blood doesn't go backwards well your aortic valve normally if you are to look at one from the top of it looks 
almost exactly like the Mercedes-Benz logo. They Everybody kind of know what that looks like. It's got three leaflets or cusps, C-U-S-P, three cusps. Those things open and close, and they close tightly. And I'm not trying to push a certain brand of car, but I swear it looks exactly like the Mercedes-Benz logo. When you are born with an anomaly or an abnormality of that, it's, it only has two cusps. Hence, it's called bicuspid. And instead of looking like that, it looks more like fish lips. It's just got two. That is bound to cause problems later in life. You might not know about it till you're 40 years old or 60 or some dentist hears your heart. Um, and so his was probably going to be fine until the, when it isn't because those valves tend to get all – they don't tend to be efficient later in life and they often need a surgical repair. They also can get blood clots on them and so there's a lot of implications for that. So it's not something that we often can hear in children or teenagers. You just – you can't hear it. Um, and But sometimes you can hear a murmur, so that was good that he found that. Now, he wasn't in imminent danger. I know people in their 80s have bicuspid valves. They never knew about it. So it does, it's not inevitable, but it is a much higher risk heart valve that usually has to be dealt with. All right. We need to take a, a quick break. We have more show to come. You can call in your question or text it in. We'll uh, come back and pick up on more of both. In the Twin Cities, we do expect some shower activity today uh, and a slightly breezy day today. Highs near 74. We're always or I should say we're almost there. We're at 71 degrees here on CCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. Dr. Hilden fielding your text messages and phone calls, and I think we, uh, you're going to pick up on a few of those texts. Yeah, here's some text. Here's one that says, Good morning. My mom has rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis in her hip, and it prevents her from walking even very short distances without having to sit down. Would a hip replacement be an option for her, or would the arthritis come back even after a replacement? That's a terrific question, Texter. Um, Osteoarthritis is very effectively treated by hip replacements. Rheumatoid arthritis is not. So you've you've mentioned two arthritis, or or the plural of arthritis. Here's your learning point for the day. Anybody know what the plural of arthritis? It's arthritides. So you've you've mentioned two arthritides, and... um, and I would strongly recommend hip replacement for someone whose osteoarthritis, wear and tear of the hip, has gotten to the point when you can't walk. Rheumatoid arthritis, though it's not treated with surgery like that, is not usually a, a one-sided hip problem. That's a rare joint for that. It can affect any joint, but um, I would certainly look into it for her, her wear and tear degenerative arthritis. Hip, hip surgery is highly effective for that. Um, here's another one says, what is congestive heart failure? How, what causes it? How is it treated? That's a big topic, but congestive heart failure is when your heart is failing to meet the needs of your body. It's beating too weakly. It's not efficient. So it's not a heart attack, although heart attacks are one of the causes of heart failure. Most people who have heart attacks don't end up in heart failure. Um, your heart's beating just fine afterwards. It took a hit, but it's beating just fine. But some people who had a big, massive heart attack or have coronary disease where the blood vessels are blocked do end up in heart failure. But it's also caused by bad heart valves. We were talking about heart valves earlier. It's caused by overactive thyroid. It's caused by atrial fibrillation if it's, your AFib is going too fast. It's caused by just a whole number of things. Even pregnancy can cause heart failure. So that's what it is. It's mostly caused by bad blood flow to your heart, which makes it beat too weakly. There are a number of good treatments for it, ranging from medications to surgeries. You need to see a cardiologist, though, if you have heart failure. Um, that's, that's something I would, I would be in to see a cardiologist for. 
Do we want to go to the phone? Yeah, line? let's do that. Let's uh, go to Barb, who's been waiting there in Lionel Lake. So, good morning, Barb. Good morning. How can we help you? Well, um, we heard you talking about people that were calling in complaining about having problems eating ice cream. Well, there was a few of us that have talked about it and have had some issues from ice cream also where, you know, bloating and feeling sick after eating it. And so I had even asked when I had a um, colonoscopy, that doctor, you know, if if um, I had lactose intolerant, whatever, and he said, well, if you can eat have milk and you can have um, cheese and stuff, he says, you're not lactose intolerant, it's something in the product. So I checked and almost all the ice creams, they've been putting something new in it that never was put in ice cream before. It's a red seaweed called carrageen, I believe. It's C-A-R-R. That's in a, that's in a lot of food. Yeah, they're put, oh, is it? Oh, well, yes. I know they're starting to put it in more things, and it's really been bothering a lot of us, we're mm. finding. I you think really that, have to look at labels. Barb, that's a good point. I, yeah. I strongly recommend looking at labels um, uh, because that the, your, that point is probably correct. If you can eat other dairy products and you don't get problems, then it's not the lactose that's your problem in ice cream. But it could be something else in there. You could be allergic to something in there, and what you might be allergic to is the stuff we're adding um, there's a guy named Michael Pollan. I don't endorse. I'm not trying to endorse other authors and all sure. that, but he does make really good points in his book in defense of food. And one of the things he says is he has a whole bunch of little tips, and he says read the ingredient label. And if there's a whole bunch of things in there you don't understand, or it kind of conveniently he says if your grandmother, or great grandmother, wouldn't recognize the ingredients, don't eat it. We're <laughs> adding all kinds good of point. stuff to food, um, and. I think cutting out ice cream would be worse. So I would find a ice cream product that doesn't have all that stuff. Read the labels. Read right? the labels. That's a really good point. Thank yeah. you, Barb, for that. Yeah. Somebody else texted about the ice cream and said maybe it's an asthma thing. I, here's the text. I'll read it. It says, I think the ice cream making somebody cough is associated with a cold ice cream and people have asthma. That is a thing. People with asthma or, or the, the general term is reactive airway disease, your airways and your upper airways like that cause you to cough – you're reacting to cold. Asthma um, does that a lot. Um, uh, people with asthma do react not just to cold ice cream, but to cold weather, cold air, all that kinds of stuff. Here's another text. Do we have time for more? Sure. I think we're good still for a bit here. Oh, yeah. It says, what are the symptoms of a heart murmur? Usually nothing. A heart murmur is simply a finding. And so we were telling her about her son with the bicuspid aortic valve and the dentist heard a heart murmur. The issue is that you didn't have any symptoms, so you don't know it. It's what we use our stethoscope to listen to. So your heart has two sounds that we all kind of know about. It's that lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. Those are, that's not your heart muscle we're hearing. Those are the heart valves closing. We can hear the closing of a valve. Think of a door closing. All that lub-dub is your heart valves closing. We can hear them close. A heart murmur is a sound of leaky blood when the valves are supposed to be closed or open. So it, instead of lub-dub, it's foom dum foom dum it's that that sound of flow of blood across a leaky valve. We can hear it. You can't feel it. That's why, um, and m- many heart murmurs are benign. They have no no bearing on anything. It's, it's just fine. But some of them represent a pathologic or a problematic situation, as was the case in the bicuspid valve. So that's why when we stick our stethoscope on your chest, we're, li- we're listening for stuff like that. 
Uh, I think we have time for maybe one more text. One more text. Let's see what we can do here. There's a, a several to choose from. This one's quite long. I got to see if I can find it. Um, oh, what what causes? Oh, this is, here's one. What causes shortness of breath after pacemaker placement? Is it a hematoma? Is a hematoma possible? And how are they treated? Shortness of breath should not ca- come from a pacemaker placement. You could have a hematoma at the site where they're putting the, the battery What's pack. What's a hematoma? A hematoma is a blood collection. It's just a little fluid collection, but it's blood. Heme, blood, toma is like collection. Um, and so, yes, you could have a little hematoma at the site where they put it in, but very unlikely to lead to shortness of breath. It might lead to swelling in your chest wall because a pacemaker is inserted in the muscles of your chest. Now, there are wires that go into your heart, but it would be uncommon for that to cause shortness of breath. So if, if you're continuing to have shortness of breath after a pacemaker placement, it might be due to the underlying rhythm, the heart problem that you had to begin with. And maybe the pacemaker isn't working. Maybe it's unrelated entirely. Or maybe, indeed, there was a complication of the pacemaker placement that I'm not thinking of. Um, it's a safe procedure, but nothing's perfect. And so if you're having a new symptom of shortness of breath um, to this texture, I would encourage you to uh, call your cardiologist and tell them that very thing. You know, Doctor, before we uh, mention again about the seminar on uh, men's health coming up, but what, who and what is going to be the topic? Who's going to be on the show next week? We have been trying to do a show on some blood cancers for about a decade. And um, I've done some here and there, but we're going to finally do a really in-depth show about leukemia and blood cancers next week with my colleague, Dr. Dan Pease. He is an oncologist, has not been on the show before. And so I said, Dan, you're, you know a lot about this subject. Would you come on? So we're going to talk about leukemia, um, the related things like lymphomas and the like from a cancer doctor who is a really good teacher. Um, and so we're, uh, we haven't done that before. No. In my knowledge in years, we haven't done a leukemia show. So you're going to want to tune in for that next week at their usual time. I know we have less than a minute to go here. What about the men's health seminar? Just briefly, men, this is your time to come learn from an expert. Dr. Travis Pagliara is doing one of our next in our Here for Health series about men's health. He'll be talking about your bladder, your prostate, your sexual health. It is free, 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 and it is next, not next Thursday, a week from this Thursday, June 20th from 6 to 7 p.m. at our clinic and specialty mm-hmm. center located at 8th and Park in downtown Minneapolis. The seminar is going to focus on the signs, symptoms, and latest treatment options for men's bladder and sexual health conditions. For more information, go to www.hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. Excellent. We'll see you back here in, uh, next week, one week from great today. week. Thanks, Dr. Hilden. Stay tuned next for your money here on News Talk 830 WCCO.